Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sonic Cloth. We are back at it, and we are going to be messing around with a very dangerous rabbit hole of music. Today, we are going to collectively listen to a bunch of cover songs. Uh, so I can hear you sighing already, and I do not blame you one bit. But, you know, allow me to pitch this a little bit, if you will. Um, so I think it's a little cheap to categorically shit on covers, but man, it's just kind of true. Like most covers are pointless and, and kind of just like these unsolicited gestures. And I've really been kind of trying to rack my brain about my own listening behavior and my experience with covers. And I think a lot of them tend to fall into like one of these three categories. So category one is artist X, you know, broadcasting their obvious, like super obvious love and the influence of artist Y. So this is, I think, the most pointless of the exercises. Um, and and uh, it's really only designed, I think, to appeal to someone with like a very cult-like level of devotion for like the covering artist. So, um, you know, examples of this, I think this is shit like the Beatles rendition of Twist and Shout, like, th thanks a lot, fellas. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers covering uh, Stevie Wonder's Higher Ground, like, <laughs> wonderful, how fascinating. Uh, no Doubt covering Talk Talks, It's My Life. Um, you know, Guns N' Roses uh, doing the Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil. And, you know, I suppose you can argue that it's a tribute of sorts, but it's probably just not doing much of anything to, like, actually raise the stature of the original, even if that's not the intention. Because those songs are already, like, super well-known to people. Um, and, and seeing as though these tend to be, like, ultra-obvious uh, charting hits, I think the results here are almost always terrible. I mean, it's generally just like a thorough tainting of the original song. And if you hated the original, you can fucking bet that you're gonna transfer that hate onto the cover. And you also learn nothing new about like the artist who is actually doing the cover and like in terms of like what they're influenced by and like who they're aping. So category two is artist X broadcasting their love um, and the influence of artists Y. And they're kind of doing it to either maybe, you know, score some cred or maybe show off like how uh, deep their musical tastes actually go. And some examples of this, I think, are like uh, 311 covering the, that Cure song. I think Love Song is the one. Orgy covering New Order, if anyone rem remembers that one. I mean, I'll even say stuff like Blondie covering uh, The Nerves, um, Hanging on the Telephone. And literally like any band who has ever attempted Naive Melody, This Must Be the Place by The Talking Heads. So this sometimes becomes Artist X's most successful song. And I think because we live in a deeply nihilistic capitalist nightmare, um, you know, a lot of these artists have like no reservations <laughs> about like attaching some or all of their notoriety to a song they didn't write. And the results here, you know, they're mixed. I think they're kind of spotty most of the time. It can work in the right circumstances, I think. But most of the time it ends up being a, a bit embarrassing. But you know, hey, there is a shitload of money in it. And I suppose it can give some shine to like the original tune, which likely didn't get nearly the play that like the cover did. And I think that Blondie covering the nerves is like perfect example of, of that. And, and you know, it has its positives too. Like how many people got turned on to Joy Division maybe by hearing like a stale version of like Love Will Tear Us Apart or got into the Pixies by hearing like Where's My Mind, like a, a, a where's, ukulele Where's My Mind cover or something like that. So, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, but you know, it's still it's it's still kind of a little bit of a shitty thing. But hey, if you ever wanted to know what the cure would sound like in the hands of a uh, white boy reggae, like have at it. You know, I don't don't let a chump like me take your fun away. So the third category, 
is Artist X covering Artist Y in an unexpected way. And the unexpected part can be that, you know, Artist X just, at least on the surface, you know, doesn't seem to like correlate musically back to Artist Y in any kind of obvious way. Or the unexpected part is in the end result of the song. So like either the source material has been like largely reimagined stylistically or in terms of like the arrangement or the instrumentation, maybe even like flipping the mood and emotion behind the song into something different altogether, but still in a way that expands upon like the original notions that you attach to the song. And as you can guess, we're mostly going to be dealing in category three. I mean, sure, you might hear some of these songs and think, oh, Jamil, that belongs in category two or even worse, category one. And hey, that's fair. Like, definitely let me know, like, your gripes and, uh, and your points here. But I think there's a lot of stellar examples of, of number three. And I'm going to talk about a few that I, I really admire that I just kind of didn't make the cut because I think they're just kind of you know, they're already pretty like well-known and out there. But the first one that came to mind was definitely like Rage Against the Machine's take on Bruce Springsteen's The Ghost of Tom Joad, which borrows basically nothing musically from the original. But takes uh, Springsteen's like very stark storytelling and kind of sets it to like a desolate, angry screed of like class war politics. I mean, I think this song is one is like one of Rage Against the Machine's best song. It might be my favorite Rage Against the Machine song, and it's not even theirs. Another great example of this, of course, is Charles Bradley and the Budos Band kind of transforming Black Sabbath's uh, very dirgy track changes into like this melancholy soul banger. It's just one of those things that shouldn't work, but it just does. Um, you got a very classic example in like Soft Cell kind of like sexifying up like Gloria Jones' Tainted Love and like basically inventing like dungeon pop in the process. You know, I think Joe Cocker turning like a very weak ass Beatles song, you know, the I get by with a little help from my friends. I don't know what the title of the track is, but kind of taking that track and, and turning it into like a glorious, like messy rock and roll gospel opus. And this is mostly like the Woodstock version I'm talking about. But I think that this kind of approach like possibly helped like clear the way for people like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and like bands like Spiritualized to like fit like 15 people on stage. Um, have like a you know, gospel choir there and just kind of like melt the house down. And the last example that I think is really excellent is um, Isaac Hayes uh, kind of mutating uh, Dionne Warwick's Walk On By into this 13-minute like orchestral, psychedelic soul like work of absolute genius. And I could go on here, but um, you know, the point is that sometimes an original can be made better. And, and that may not be what the covering artist's intention is. Um, in fact, I think that's probably never the point. I mean, that's a pretty like cocky, <laughs> arrogant like uh, approach to uh, you know uh, somebody else's work. But I imagine an artist, you know, kind of just hears a stroke of brilliance from like a fellow artist and just kind of wants to take that musical idea to another place. And that's what I've tried to assemble here with these uh, eleven tracks. 
And I'm going with all contemporary picks, so nothing here is going to be older than 15 or 20 years. And the source material is pretty irrelevant other than um, I wanted it to be like a popular song that people are going to be familiar with. You know, I'd love to include a track like um, Caliphone covering uh, the track Orchids by Psychic TV. But like how many people out there like know Psychic TV like that? So I just want to draw a connection between like the source material and the cover rendition. So I figure my best bet is to go with some picks you're all likelier to be familiar with. It's less important that you know the covering artist and it's more important that you know the source material. And I think every single case here, um, the source material artist's popularity like definitely dwarfs like the covering artist by like a hundred. So yeah, these are these are basically indie. Uh, level artists covering some of the some of the greats and in some cases the source song is one that I, I actually don't even really like fuck with at all But you can be sure that each one of these artists definitely brought something like original to what is in essence The most unoriginal thing you can possibly do as an artist. So that's my pitch. I think this is gonna be a fun one um, If you're with me, you're with me Right out the gate, we've got the Twilight Singers covering an artist that I love very much, talking about Bjork here. But the Twilight Singers chose a Bjork song that I would say I just like, but but don't really love. And, and the track is Hyper Ballad, and it comes off of Bjork's 1995 album, Post. And this is definitely one of Bjork's most well-known tracks. Uh, let's take a quick listen here. I'm going to drop into the four-on-the-floor techno part of the song. So it's a great track. Uh, I just get a little piss shy around, uh, you know, straight ahead techno. But, you know, obviously Bjork's like totally adventurous approach to, to melody like is what saves the day here. It's a really, really great chorus. And I think that's the, really the star of the song. So it makes sense that like the Twilight Singers would approach the song with the idea that this chorus is just kind of like begging to explode and like, kind of be like belted out. And what better dude to do that than uh, Greg Dooley of the Afghan Wigs fame? So the Twilight Singers, if you don't know, are, are Greg's band that he started when the Afghan Wigs were on hiatus, I think in like the, the late 90s, early 2000s. And this track is off of the 2004 um, album She Loves You, which is a covers album. And I don't even know how or where I first heard the song, and I don't even think I first recognized this was a cover of Hyper Ballad. Um, just because I may not have been that deep into Bjork at that time. But this cover has stuck with me for, for a really long time now. Um, as a track that feels so natural being given like this Greg Dooley treatment. And, and I think that this one really like, truly stands alone. I mean, sure, the melodies are all borrowed and the instru instrumentation here it, like isn't even that out there or interesting. It's kind of a pretty straight shot of like brooding, kind of dreamy, like alt rock with some electronic flourishes on the drums. You know, perhaps that's like a callback 
to like Bjork's kind of like alien <laughs> electronic kind of thing that she has going. But, you know, the best part of the song is I think is that uh, Greg is just in top form here. He's got this like great way of kind of sitting in between like a, a macho kind of like rock swagger and like the the drippy sensitive guy thing. And when that chorus comes in, it's just a, such a huge moment, and it really juxtaposes like Bjork's super unorthodox approach to melody and like phrasing with something that's really just you know straight ahead and kind of unadorned. So it's just one of those tracks that hits you at the right time, like whenever it comes on. And I think it's it's as sad as kind of the original, and it's got just enough like rocking in it, um, so as not to be like disrespectful <laughs> to the original too. And, and the last thing I'll say is, like, uh, the great and late Mark Lanigan provides some backing vocals on the chorus. I mean, he's definitely, like, a little buried in the mix. You might have to, like, uh, you know, isolate all sound to, like, hear him in the back there. But y you can you can pick him out. Like, that, that gravelly, I smoked, like, 15 cigarettes before noon today kind of voice definitely, like, comes through. So this is just pure devotion to the brilliance of the original composition um, without really sacrificing an ounce of your own artistic character.
All right, let's stay in the mid-90s for a little. We've got the Easy Star All-Stars making a very bold choice in tackling Radiohead's Letdown from the album OK Computer. So this is from uh, an album called Radio Dread, which is a reggae take on the entire uh, Radiohead album, OK Computer. And and this collective of musicians uh, do this quite a bit. Um, they'll basically take on an artist's full album um, and kind of give it the uh, the island treatment. So, you know, it's a lot of uh, reggae, a lot of ska, some dub, uh, rock steady, like uh, those types of sounds. And other albums in the repertoire are Easy Star's Lonely Hearts dub band. You got Easy Star's Thrilla. And then you've got Dub Side of the Moon. And I can't speak to any of these albums except for the Dub Side of the Moon cover uh, record, which is fucking fantastic. I mean, trust me, like it, it may sound gimmicky, but like it is as good of a Pink Floyd tribute as I've ever heard. So this Radio Dread album, I remember spinning this album, um, you know, 10 so years ago. And, and I, you know, it's a good time and it's interesting to listen to. But, you know, a lot of the tracks like really didn't stick with me that much, except for Letdown. I mean, who the fuck could have thought one of the most like dismal, heart-wrenching songs, uh, you know, of the 90s probably could be pulled off so magnificently. And let's actually give uh, a listen to Let Down um, as a little bit of a reminder for anyone who hasn't kind of spun OK Computer in a minute. So there you have it. This is uh, as pretty and dreary as Radiohead gets. Um, so how the fuck does a group of reggae and dumb musicians arrange and perform this cover and have the reaction from like several members of Radiohead be like absolutely glowing? If I like recall correctly, I think like Phil Selway, the drummer, said that um, the Easy Star All-Stars version of the song was superior to the original. So, uh, you know, I guess the way that you do it is you go the opposite direction and like up the tempo. Because this is a flat out like upbeat, danceable kind of ska rock steady song. Um, I think it's it's far more ska rock steady than it is like reggae. Like you know, I think a lot of the rest of the Radio Dread album kind of kind of stays in line with reggae. Um, but not only that, they brought in the legendary Jamaican vocal group uh, Toots and the Maytals um, for this one, which means uh, motherfuckers knew how fire this track was when they arranged it. And it's a magical thing that they pulled off here. Like, I really don't know what else to say. It's it's a tasteful and brilliant arrangement of the original that carries, like, all the ha hallmarks of the original, I would say. Like, there's that anguish and anxiety in the singing, um, you know, which isn't abnormal at all for, like, ska and reggae music. Um, I mean, this is, like, basically like a melancholy ska track in the vein of, like, the greats from the 60s and the 70s. And again, like, you might not even have known this was the OK Computer track, unless you're one of those people who knows that album like pretty note for note, kind of front to back. But I don't know. There's just there's just no way that this should work so well as it does. And uh, yeah, this has been on repeat at like kickbacks and barbecues at my house for like at least 15 years at this point.
All right, so in a similar vein of unexpected results, we have one of my favorite artists of the dreamy variety, Midwife, who I've already featured twice on this podcast, um, once on the Flenser label episode, and then again on the um, kind of dream pop, dream machines music episode. So earlier this year, um, uh, Midwife's label, the Flenser, unveiled like a mini compilation of bands on the roster um, where they're just covering new metal and kind of new metal, hard rock adjacent music. And, and as someone who dabbled in a fair amount of new metal back in you know my earlier years and I you know basically abandoned it like completely later on in life like I got a lot of enjoyment out of this comp it's it's really solid regardless of what you think about like the source material but the clear standout for me on this comp was midwife's rendition of a little old track you could not have possibly escaped um, if you ever flipped through like FM radio stations from I don't know like the early 2000s probably until like to 2010s I mean this song is probably still on kind of regular rotation on whatever like really corny hard rock real rock like radio stations uh, that are left out there so the track is send the pain below by Chevelle and actually the Flenser comp is named after um, that Chevelle track and I can't say that I have ever had any affection um, for the Chevelle track back then um, and even now, but honestly, when when I listen to it now with older ears, it doesn't really strike me that much as like pure new metal. But it does remind me of like if anyone knows the post hardcore band Far. Definitely, like there's there's a bit of <laughs> an, an eerie like similarity there, as well as like older Deftones, and also like it just sounds like if Tool kind of abandoned all of the instrumental bravado and just kind of played it like really straight, especially with the vocals. Um, there's no way the singer, uh, you know, didn't have like an Anima poster on his wall like as a kid. So this track isn't as heavy or frankly as funny as shit like Corn and Disturbed. But I can see how this track is adjacent to a lot of new metal though. And I can't say I've ever listened to like a second of Chevelle's music beyond this track, um, unless there's some other radio single that's escaping me. But um, let's go ahead and hear a little bit of this very of its time track that seems to be trying to bring some sensitive guy shit to like the early 2000s like new metal playbook So what Midwife does with this track is really something. And 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 I mean that more in like a turning a shitty song into gold kind of way. And I think that something is really just like translating the verse and chorus melodies into what Midwife like does on the rest of their output. You know, when you listen to Midwife, it's these really floaty, like lo-fi and ethereal kind of like bedroom pop and shoegaze. And it's just so like miserably satisfying. <laughs> That's like the, the, the best way I can put it. And I love in this track, like how the verse vocals are layered into the chorus to create this like off kilter harmonizing that doesn't actually happen in the original song. And while a lot of people like would sticker at the thought of like covering the Chevelle song, this sounds like an absolutely like reverent and like good faith rendition of the original. And yeah, I, I really don't know what else to say. Like the, the thought of covering a song like this of this era and style 
uh, I think could really only be worthwhile if there was some kind of like radical tonal shifts made to it. And in this case, they really highlight some of the some of the strong songwriting choices that I think are masked by like some bravado and some drama and just kind of straight up like tweakiness that this era of hard rock music reveled in.
Okay, next up is kind of the inverse of uh, the track you just heard where like quiet band covers loud band. This one is a, a very heavy band covering like a very kind of plaintive like folk song. So this is the three piece Michigan grind uh, hardcore band uh, Cloud Rat covering Neil Young's The Needle and the Damage Done. This is from his 1972 album Harvest. If you know Neil Young, then you know the song. Like this is a, a classic. It is a lyrically heavy song about like Neil's friend Danny Winton of the band Crazy Horse, who had like recently died of a heroin overdose. And this is undoubtedly one of Neil's like best tunes, where it's just like him sitting down with a guitar. I've seen the needle and the damage done. A little part of it in everyone. But every junkie's like a setting sun. You know, a whole subset of covers are like these heavy bands that are doing like older, like pop, rock, and kind of folk songs. And I grew up on like these kind of cheap like punk samplers and like the you know mid in late 90s um and if you did too then you, you couldn't escape like punk bands covering like 60s 70s and like 80s hits like shit like billy joel and the beach boys but later on there was this like whole punk goes pop like compilation thing that happened that was a, a, a fucking nightmare but <laughs> my point is that uh, heavy and fast bands have been kind of pulling this card trick for a while so it's not exactly novel and it's definitely not like interesting or worthwhile for the majority uh, of these attempts and, and i wouldn't even think to to put cloud rat in this particular like lane like at all it's just the, the only similarity is this is a super like extreme band like covering something that is at least like tonally and sonically not that extreme but what cloud rat does here um while staying very true to like the chords and the melodies of the original is bring the emotional resonance of the lyrics into like a much more visceral like pained place and it's honestly perfect for like a crusty grind band to be like approaching this song i think and and the the vocalist um madison is so so fucking good here as she kind of like oscillates between these like cleans and this like throat shredding like screams and and the band of course like they just rip so i love how their rendition just kind of like naturally floats between the clean chords of the original song and like the grindy sections because at its core the song doesn't have like a distinct like verse and chorus it's essentially just like all treated as a single verse or a single chorus and if anything the guitar is kind of what provides like a break from like some of these vocal melodies so cloud rat do a good thing here by not like radically reinventing the song but just keeping the punch and weight and like the subject of the song you know keeping that all intact and kind of dialing up the intensity so this is like some kind of contemplative grindcore shit which is not easy to pull off given the extremity but that's also the kind of band cloud rat is if you like listen to their complete albums um there's definitely like a deep well to what they appreciate musically and that really comes through and i know just like straight up ripping all day is what grind bands do best but cloud rat fold a hell of a lot more in like without sacrificing any of like the crusty shit that we came here for
Okay, next up is an absolute favorite. We've got Lingua Ignota taking on Chris Isaac's 1989 steamy hit, Wicked Game. This is a song that has, uh, I think, stood up to the test of time better than most. It kind of seems like it gets like rehabilitated like at least every decade. And it's not really a, a song I have a lot of strong feelings about. I mean, you know, there's there's some like undeniable qualities about it, right? Like, you gotta love the the that vocal kind of like pitch crack in the chorus uh you gotta love like the twangy like slide guitar leads you, you gotta love the music video where chris isaac and like some supermodel are just like fucking frolicking on the beach together and and you know it's it's ultimately like a sad and beautiful pop song with a, a really great uh, vocal performance and it's a dark song too I, I but i think like the kind of the steamy vibes in the music video maybe overshadow uh, like how absolutely hopeless the song is. But yeah, here's a bit of Wicked Game for anyone who needs a refresh. I'm tempted to just play the whole track, but we'll, we'll need to do a little bit here. I never dreamed that I'd meet somebody like you And I never dreamed that I'd lose somebody like you No So this song has been covered to death, and particularly by artists with some vocal chops. I mean, I think that's uh, kind of like the first thing you got to get out of the way. So this song is going to be very kind, I think, to anyone who's got some like real range. But what you're about to hear right now is a version that takes the haunted quality of the original, but like pushes it to absolutely ghostly territory. And you know it's in good hands because uh, the singular lingua ignota is performing and arranging like this rendition. And I'll be really candid in saying that, uh, you know, I absolutely love Lingua Ignota's music, um, her tremendous talent um, and artistic vision aside, like it's the performances on the record and in a live setting that is like the show-stopping aspect to our music for me. And this performance is no different. I mean, it's giving kind of an operatic treatment to Wicked Game, um, rolling it out slowly, kind of unfurling it in a sense. And it's just this devastatingly like aching expression that that I think double da doubles down on the song's original sentiments. And I don't know how intentional or like thought over this was, obviously, but the final lyrics in the original version are nobody loves no one, which is kind of like a hopeful plea to the end of a song that is like all about love and loss. But that last line is like completely absent from Lingua Ignota's version. And I'm not sure if this is the case, but the mood of the song is such that it's performed in a way where things have gone bad. I mean, they're completely fucked. And now just like a hollow shell of a person who is recovering from like love's ability to, you know, cause obsession. And, and they've they just kind of like turned their back on the world altogether. I mean, I don't know, though, that might be me just like reading into things and applying, you know, other attributes I associate with Lingua Ignota's music like into this cover version. But yeah, I love this song. I think it's one of the best covers ever made um, and stands out in like a, a, a crowded sea of like Wicked Game covers. I mean, all of which are, you know, probably aren't worth much of your time, to be honest. And this song is is overcovered, like I said, and everyone fucked up except Lingua Ignota. That, that's genuinely how I feel about it. And I also will say that playing this song is the best possible way to like kill any kind of vibe you want to kill 
You know, if you want to end the party early, if you want to force the people around you into unsolicited sadness, just put this track on. So a couple months ago, I was listening to some kind of instrumental hip hop stuff on Spotify. And, and after the album finished, the, the algorithm kicked in and a track started playing. And I, I immediately recognized like the melody. It was uh, Jay Dilla's Time, the Donut of the Heart. But I noticed that a sarangi was playing the main melody. And then these like tablas kick in and this like jazzy acoustic guitar. And I was just like 
blown away by this like fusion of uh, Hindustani music and like jazz that's like specifically paying homage to Dilla um, in this particular way. So the group I'm talking about is called Jaubi and they're from Lahore, Pakistan. And they are a quartet who fuse a lot of the elements I just touched on um, together. And I got deep into their work. I mean, I, I didn't want to listen to anything else when I like after I discovered this. And they only have like two records and a couple EPs. And while their original material is like truly where it's at for me um, with this band, I knew I had to include this Dilla cover on this episode. But if you know the original, you know the track is like a, basically a minute and a half long, and it's actually just like a flip of uh, All I Do Is Think Of You by the Jackson 5. Thankfully, Jaubi has some really good taste in rap because they also take on the classic track uh, Figaro from Mad Villainy, which is the collab album by MF Doom and Madlib. Shouldn't need an introduction, but in case it does, here you go. The rest is empty with no brain, but the clever nerd, the best MC with no chain you ever heard. Take it from the Tech Nine, Hola. David, don't know their next shine from Shinola. Everything that glitter ain't fish scale. Let me think. Don't let a faint get his smell. A shot of Jack out of back. It's not an axe stack. Forgot about the cackalac. Holler back. Clack, clack, blocker. Villainy. Feel him in your heart. Chocolate chart. Top of star shit. So Jobby's take on both of these tracks is spectacular. And they both really are tributes to both of those fallen hip-hop pioneers. I mean, sure, you're not getting, like, the bars on, like, Jaubi's cover of Figaro, but the beat is really brought into, like, a new light through, like, the sarangi, the bass, the piano, and, like, these really hard-as-fuck kind of drums that are that are kicking in. I mean, it's definitely taking, like, a, a lo-fi beat in the original and making it, like, a lot more driving and upfront. But ultimately, like, the approach here of, like, jazzing up, like, Figaro and making it really bump, and then the approach of, like, pulling out the beauty and tranquility of the melody and, like, the Jay Dilla track, these are both just, like, really tasteful choices that, you know, don't so much show off what Jabi can do, but rather, like, offer a dedication of sorts, like, through the vessel of a group of musicians who have, like, a clear spiritual link to, like, the source material. Oh, 
All right, here we have the requisite Joy Division cover. This is the band Low doing the song Transmission, which was actually Joy Division's uh, debut single. I didn't know that. So uh, the year here we're talking about is 1979. And, you know, I, I do like Joy Division. Um, I find I don't love them as much as a lot of people do, but I, I certainly won't, like, deny their place or, like, importance at all. But I've just never been, like, super entranced by, like, you know, their body of work for whatever reason. It's certainly not something that I just, like, queue up. I, I just, you know, have to hear some Joy Division. It almost, like, never happens. Um, and, you know, cover-wise, there is no shortage of Joy Division covers out there. I think they're a pretty easy band to cover, to be honest. But, um, you know, it's not terribly often you hear the track Transmission being covered. So Lowe definitely like do what they do with this cover. And most noticeably, they slow this puppy down like a lot. Like there's no frantic rhythm section. Um, Ian's kind of deadpan and kind of rapid singing is replaced by like this drawn out harmonizing between uh, Alan and Mimi of Lowe, which has always been one of the absolute best qualities of the band. And I think minimalism is is really the glue that binds like Low and Joy Division together. And yeah, this is basically a slow core take on like the classic Joy Division track. And I know that term is like, you know, categorically rejected by the band. And I'm not even saying like we need to take that term seriously. I don't even necessarily want to have a conversation about the term, but I'm just trying to position uh, what we're, we're talking about here. But I think, you know, taking the tempo down to this degree while keeping the bass as like the driving instrument here um, really opens the song up. Um, when you have a song structure that's this simple in the Joy Division track, like it can definitely work as a short burst of like energy. But Lo will show us that like with beautiful harmonizing and kind of taking the time to really open up the song, stretch it out. Like you can show a whole new side of like a composition. Um, and yeah, I just don't have a whole lot to say about this. It's kind of where like early 80s skeletal post-punk and like nine, early 90s, like slow indie music meet. And I actually wish there was like more original music that kind of married these two styles. So if anyone has a recommendation out there, please send it my way because I absolutely love this.
So this next one is the uh, Bizarro Duo Mama Leek taking a shot at the formative bebop number Anthropology from 1947, uh, credited to the man himself, Charlie Parker. And I can't say I was terribly familiar with the original. It's very possible I've heard it or like a another rendition of it at some point, but I definitely can't say for certain. And this is a wild track. I mean, Parker like rips it up on this one. And, and, and this is like a fast number. This is like 111 beats per minute. So let's give a bit of a listen to Charlie's alto solo here. So any day I get to tell someone about the band Mamalik is a good day. Um, right off the top, taking on this Charlie Parker standard like takes some serious uh, bravery. And I'm just going to spoil this track for you because it needs to be talked out. Like Mamalik takes a stab at the, the primary melody like through this ultra distorted electric guitar. I mean, this shit sounds kind of like Super Mario Brothers with all with like all of the effects and the kind of the bouncy notes in the run. I mean, seriously, go back and like listen to any like Super Mario Brothers music um, from from the 80s or 90s. Like it gets almost all of its cues from like jazz and fusion. But anyway, uh, Mamalik also like in covering the song, like adds a layer of noise and like buried black metal shrieking to the song like pretty soon into into the, the start of the track. And after the solo ends and they kind of cut the noise. The band just like launches into this really nice but like short kind of like lo-fi uh, section that would, you know, be so serene and it's so pretty um, if not for like these distant anguish screams that are just like erupting like throughout the passage. And I'm telling you like only Mamalik can do shit like this and like pull it off with such all oh, like I, I truly think they're one of the few groups that can like execute on these ideas. And, and the bizarre kind of becomes par for the course with Mamalik. I mean, ugliness and beauty are really like juxtaposed like very brazenly. And, you know, when you listen to Mamalik's like records, this is not a terribly like surprising cover. They definitely like bring jazz and spirituals into their uh, highly fucked sound. So I don't know. This is basically a pretty freaky cover by a, a freaky band and a great example of what kind of warped imaginations can accomplish.
So I've confessed my love of the Smashing Pumpkins many times on this podcast. Um, Melancholy was the first album that I became like completely obsessed with and, and really connected with in a deep way. And the album that came out after Melancholy, uh, Adore, um, was the Pumpkins like simultaneously moving into kind of more goth and synth pop territory. And with that came some uh, brushing up against like, I would say, electronic and dance music. So one of the big singles off that album was the track Perfect, which I think was touted as a cousin or like a continuation of their most well-known song, I think, 1979. And if you watch both music videos, you'll notice kind of a, a linear continuation between the two tracks. And roughly speaking, they, they kind of exist in the same like Smashing Pumpkins orbit because they're both these like lighter, airier kind of tracks that are, you know, very much like dripping and dreaminess and like youth kind of nostalgia. And Billy's writing is just really, really top-notch. I mean, he's got such a good ear for chord progressions and resolution. And, and despite having, like, a pretty, like, weird voice, um, he pulls off these melodies that you just, like, can't forget and you can't get them out of your head. Anyway, I'll stop myself from gushing too hard here. Um, here's the track in case you forgot it. This one used to get a lot of radio play, too, but I think it, it got kind of lost to time a little bit. So covering a pumpkin song is an easy thing, and there's a lot of them out there. And there's some even pretty good ones to pick from. This was this was kind of tough. Um, but the band here, Wednesday, um, their take on this track, Perfect, is, is just where it's at for me. And this is as simplified a, a rendition as you can get. I mean, basically all you've got here is like an army of like downstroked acoustic guitars, like fuzzy electric guitar sheets of noise and feedback and then these uh, really great harmonized vocals and gone like all together is like the techno breakbeat like gone is the shimmery kind of like echoey effects that give the original like so much character i mean the whole fucking high budget studio in production is like completely absent on this cover so the band wednesday take the bones of the song and basically filter it through their love of like 90s noisy guitar rock and you know what i presume is maybe some my bloody valentine affection i mean i always thought this cover reminded me of the track um sometimes by my bloody valentine just because of those like army of guitars and all the layers um although this is about like a hundred tracks shy of what kevin shields was like doing in the studio but yeah i love the approach to this song it's, it's got no bravado there's not much in the way of like uh fancy production it's just the tune itself which is verse chorus verse chorus repeat but i think wednesday really bring out like the sadness of billy's melodies and the song's lyrics too i mean this is a great example of a band who clearly has like a deep admiration for an artist and is really just choosing to exclusively highlight like the skeleton of the songwriting as they take on the track and sometimes that that's exactly like what it takes for you to appreciate a song you've heard a million times before and kind of see it in a new light 
All right, we have hit the final track. This is the wonderful Tulum Shimmering covering Marquee Moon by Television. This is a classic of 70s post-punk and just kind of like rock and roll in general. And I like to think of Television as the best jam band that had like true punk cred. I mean, this song is like almost 11 minutes long and features like multiple guitar solos and extended passages. So the covering artist here is Tulum Shimmering, and I'm going to borrow from uh, their website to kind of paint a little bit of a picture here. So Tulum Shimmering has a singular talent for channeling familiar songs into new forms, stretching the core of their nostalgic melodies into a cosmic infinite. And Tulum Shimmering has been doing like this covers request series where people on Bandcamp are urged to like get in touch with the artist and request songs to cover. And the series has 18 uh, entries so far. And this is like all the more impressive if you consider that Tulum Shimmering's single tracks like regularly exceed the 30 minute mark. So some other entries into the cover series have been um, Set the Controls for the Heart of the Sun by Pink Floyd. Um, you've got Eight Miles High by The Birds. You've got Brown Rice by Don Cherry. And most recently, you've even got uh, Aguirre by Popol Vuh, and there's tons of others. I mean, just go to tulumshimmering.bandcamp.com um, immediately and just like hit play on anything because this is at least like broadly speaking music that is in absolutely like no hurry, no rush. And that really is the consistent quality in this cover series, like Tulum Shimmering's original work and like the television track that we're talking about right here. Um, this is deeply focused, like mystical, long form jamming of like a single refrain within the original track. And, and I get the sense that this is a common approach here. You know, take a single riff or passage and just stay there. You know, there's no need to like get on to the next part. There's only this part right here and the jam ends like when it ends. And I could have chosen any of the songs in this cover series, and I think it would display something like pretty, pretty similar, regardless of what I chose. But this is just the one that I've listened to the most. I think, you know, if you're a fan of some of the more ambient and kind of new age, uh, early krautrock stuff, you're gonna find a lot to love here. And if you're someone who just needs to like slow down at various points in your life or your day, and kind of, you know, set out and clean your house or just like lay around with your partner or friend doing nothing, like. I'm telling you, you will not find a better like musical companion than Tulum Shimmering. And also like in, just in terms of artists who are covering other artists' music, I think this cover series is like a, a really remarkable thing because there's true reverence being given to like the treatments of these songs by just plucking out like a single like loop or section of it and just really meditating on that musical idea, like oftentimes really stretching it out and almost like allowing it to be reborn or something. I mean, I don't know. I, I know I sound ridiculous, but like, I don't know. We're, we're going to go out on this track. Um, the full version of Marky Moon is nearly 36 minutes. So I'm just going to do an excerpt here for you all. But please go to Tulum Shimmering um, on Bandcamp. Uh, a lot of the stuff on there is pay what you want. 
and all of it is really beautiful and deep i'm like constantly just kind of like going back into the discography here and, and listening and it's some of my favorite like go-to music of the last several years for sure but yeah that is gonna do it for this rabbit hole you know what have we learned uh, i think covers can be really shitty and sure like uh, it's all in the eye of the beholder i'm not telling anyone what, like what to like what not to like but you know i think covers can also provide a kind of like meta like experience that can result in you going back to the original and maybe hearing it in a different way or it can make you just kind of learn something really interesting about the covering artist it doesn't have to be this like grand signaling kind of spectacle it can just be uh you know cool and and nice and i think you know these 11 tracks are are both of those things so that's all i got for you today um hope you had fun make sure to subscribe and rate and review as always, you can get in touch with me at thesoniccloth at gmail.com, also on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, that's going to do it. Until next time. Mm-hmm.